welcome to episode 532 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a wonderful conversation with writer, artist, director, and actor Christine Stoddard. We talk about badass lady folk, non-binary, transgendered folk, feeling comfortable and confident with oneself, fairy tale comics, cyberpunk apocalypse, the pit, storytelling, history, listening to elders talking with family and friends, feedback loops, wondering if we need art, among other things. A grand conversation with Christine Stoddard this go-round. We have an EWSA titled Freedom From Faith. We share a piece that I found on social media. It's a post from Iris Smiles regarding Greek cats. And we have a poem called Spins. All of this, of course, will be infused, imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it then. Episode 532 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours.
freedom from faith. Why can't I keep this mouth shut? Why do I get so perturbed with what is to me incompetence and soft-minded sloth? I can feel it in my gut, yet it feels like some sort of a condition, an affliction. Small towns, small minds, nepotism, and a what-are-you-gonna-do mentality. What is this movement of all comfort and all fun, all of the time reality? This won't lead to the creation and realization of something sublime. Standards and responsibility spurred into earnest action and a concerted powerful approach are not mutually exclusive to living healthy and cultivating justice. La dolce vita. We are losing sight of the importance, the value, strength, that is grit and brilliant vision. We trade it for safety in softness and ambivalent confusion, housed, espoused within psychological realms, emotional chambers, bodies of excess and comforted fears, into fat rolls stuffed into stretch pants as the enablers cheer and continue to feed. I need several more beers than before to get through the door into my own place of self-affirming reward that comforts this tight sense of discord with the institutions and communities I live amongst. Am not understanding people much now. I'm just a punk. And it's been like this for me forevermore. I'd rather be in southern France playing patunk in a plum and apricot field, perhaps more truly revealed and better able to handle what's in store. Yeah. 
Christine Stoddard. Hi, how are you? It's nice to have you on the. Sh- it's nice to have you on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Thank you for taking the time out. Yeah, of course. Thanks. Before we get started, let me share a little background information with the listeners. Oh, sure. Christine Stoddard is a Salvadoran American writer, artist, director, and actor living in New York City. She is the founder of Quail Bell Press and Productions, including the namesake Quail Bell magazine. Ms. Stoddard's acclaimed Forget Fairy Tales comics first ran in the Commonwealth Times, Virginia Commonwealth University's campus newspaper. In 2013, she was named one of the Southeast Review's National Emerging Artists. Christine's comics have appeared in the Huffington Post, Washington City Paper, Feminist Wednesday, Grok Nation, Weird Sister, and elsewhere. Her comedy play, Forget Fairy Tales, which was based upon the comics, premiered before a sold-out audience at the Broadway Comedy Club in New York City in 2022. Christine has a great weekly radio program broadcast every Friday at 9 a.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Currently... Ms. Stoddard is pursuing her M.A. in oral history at Columbia University. And in June 2023, Brooklyn Magazine named her one of the top 50 most fascinating people in Brooklyn. Troubadours and Rock On Tours is very excited to have on the program Christine Stoddard. So again, thanks for being on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Wow, okay, we're really going with this thing. Got it. Yeah, we're going with it. <laughs> tell us, tell us a bit, so people get a an idea of, 
and what informs who you are, what you do. Tell us a bit about your background. Yeah, sure. So I am the oldest of three. I was born to a Salvadoran mother and an American father in Arlington, Virginia, which is suburban DC. <laughs> it's where the Pentagon is. It's where Arlington National Cemetery is. Uh, and a few other things, landmarks that a lot of people associate with Washington that are actually in Virginia. Uh, yeah. And my father is a documentary filmmaker, a cameraman for the news. He is semi-retired, mostly retired now, uh, due to age, but also the pandemic and the changing nature of journalism. And my mom was a housewife my entire life, really, but very creative, very uh, open to learning, very curious person. And she was studying to become an American citizen when I was a little girl. So she just wanted to take my siblings and me to every museum and every art festival and every library or at least that's what it felt like. So I definitely had a, a very creative, open-minded family growing up. Yeah, that makes a huge difference for sure, no doubt about it. And I, you know, I did mention the, the uh, title of your radio program, I don't think. Badass Lady Folk Yes, is the program on Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, so you're a badass, and, <laughs> and you're into, and you're a lady, and you're into a folk or is it about folk like people people yes so originally it started as a feminist woman-centric talk show and i would interview a different female guest uh in 2016 it was badass lady folk of brooklyn and i've since had a reboot but at that time it was very focused on Brooklyn, very community oriented. And it was about what different women were doing uh, politically, creatively, often both at the same time. And I co-hosted it, co -hosted it once in a while with uh, a couple other folks, but largely was on my own every week with a different wonderful woman. And with the reboot, I have, as someone who's growing, learning, trying to be better, I have opened it to non-binary folks. And one of the reasons why is very personal. Uh, my little sibling uh, came out as trans, uh, and that's been a journey for me and in, in my personal development uh, as well. Um, and then, yeah, just broadly trying to figure out the world and understanding feminism and how the movement's been changing. I've wanted to be more inclusive in the talk show. And I'm still pretty New York-y in terms of my guests, but not necessarily Brooklyn-centric. So now it's Badass Lady Folk, not Badass Lady Folk of Brooklyn. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for all that insight. And um, the, uh, understanding and processing, I guess, of, uh, someone who says, you know, I'm transgender, that is a, a challenge, you know, I think for a lot of people, you know, some people just are closed and, and mean and hateful. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people who are open, but trying to understand because it's, it's not every day that, uh, you know, 
someone does have that as part of uh, their their family or their their um, intimate circle, and it and you know for I I've experienced it too. Uh, it it's very important, of course, to a person, any person, when they're trying to live their life as who they want to live their life. And if, if there's a dissonance in some regard, some way, or society is pushing back, that's a tough thing. How do you deal with it when, you know, as, as someone to support and someone to also, you know, to be a supportive person and a friend and to have love and strength for whomever is, is uh, in your circle that is is coming out so to speak and and also how do you figure it for yourself because it's you know it, it is different i think for a lot of us to understand yeah for sure and it's something i'm trying to discuss more publicly for a while i was pretty private about it because my family was just processing it not that there was hate um uh, i wouldn't even say that there was resistance necessarily it was just a process of understanding for all of us to try and adjust to the pronouns, try and adjust to other kinds of language and just understanding uh, gender and sex in ways that we didn't. I mean, the whole society is adjusting, right? My mom comes from a fairly traditional Salvadoran background, uh, Catholic and spent a lot of her early life in a rural area, a small village. Uh, and she's had to make so many adjustments. She's constantly reminding the family of that. But um, sometimes, as uh, especially at first, uh, when my little sibling came out about transitioning, uh, my my mom kept saying, well, you know, it's really hard to make the adjustment to the pronouns for somebody who's not a native English speaker. Like I already have to think so much about everything that I'm saying. And maybe she doesn't give herself enough credit because she is fully fluent in English at this point. But, you know, I can understand as somebody who was already, let's see, I would have been in my late twenties when my little sibling came out as non-binary and then, yeah, so I mean, it's been a few years now, but um, I can only imagine that my my mom, being someone who turned sixty three as of yesterday, and uh, happy birthday, mom! <laughs> yeah, is happy birthday is overcoming still in a lot of ways all these cultural uh, differences and and language differences, uh, having to reprocess who this person she gave birth to and raised is. I mean, I still, I still sometimes think of my little sibling as my little sister, not in their current life, but definitely in terms of childhood memories. That's how I think of them because that's what I remember and being the oldest and helping raise and educate them in a lot of ways. It's, and, and and like looking at old family photos, yeah, it it's something that I'm still trying to to figure out, but with om- openness and with love and with the understanding that hey, I'm supposed to be learning something new every day, right? <laughs> right. 
Right. Exactly. And I don't know. I think for a lot of uh, people who are listening, um, it, it depends who's listening. But if, if it's someone who is transgender, they're probably, I would be, I think, uh, saying, well, it's not about you. You of know, course. it's about me. Right. Uh, but I, I want to tell you because you're part of my life. Um, and I also want to be accepted by everyone because I have a right to because I'm a human being in this country. Uh, so, but at the same time, we do need we being those that are, um, I guess, carrying ourselves or see ourselves, feel to ourselves to be the same as our sex, our anatomical sex uh, is. We, you know, we have to process it nonetheless, right? You can't just automatically click your fingers and say, okay, cool. That wouldn't even be, I think, I don't think that would be. Um, uh, real, you know, it, it has, right. the process has got to happen. Oh yeah, for sure. And with my little sibling, I mean, we're so close in age. They're not even four years younger than I am. So almost my entire memory has been of them as this one person who sure on, on the inside, they were somebody else. Uh, and I can remember different periods where they were going through a lot of, n not publicly, but at least family and close friends were aware of these periods of them not feeling comfortable and confident in themselves. And at this point, it just makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. uh, at those times, it was just tempting to think, oh, well, it's because it's adolescence. Oh, it's because it's college. Oh, these are periods of adjustment anyway. And, and some people are more confident than others, but, uh, yeah, it's just, they weren't living their most authentic life for, for like 25 years. <laughs> yeah. And you know, all the normal stuff that every human being has to deal with. And then that on top of it. Right. Right. Um, so, Let's. That's awesome insight. Thank you for sharing. Appreciate it. Let, let's uh, shift shift direction now a bit, and I want to talk about. I was looking at some of your comics, you know, and I was laughing hysterically, and also I was very impressed by your artistry, you know, the the drawings as well as the the wit, uh, you know, with the thought balloons next to those wonderful drawings. Tell us a bit about Quail Tales. Yeah, thank you. So Quail Tales came out of my comic Forget Fairy Tales, which I started in college. I first started doodling them for Grinnell College, and then I transferred to Virginia Commonwealth University, came back home to Virginia, and became a regular weekly contributor to the campus newspaper, which was good in the sense that it put a lot of pressure on me to produce, right? There were no excuses. There was none of this, well, you're going to run the comic two weeks in a row. Nope, every week it has to be different. And around the same time, I guess after I'd been doing that for only a semester uh, at VCU, that is, I applied for a grant with the Student Media Commission and won it to start a limited edition comics magazine. So sure, I contributed some of my own work, but I tapped other creators to contribute their comics or interviews with other comics, uh, comics creators, writers, artists, visual artists. Uh, and 
some of them also contributed research researched pieces like articles and essays about comics there was of course some nostalgic writing in there as well first person essays about what comics certain comics meant to different people we only got to do two editions of the magazine um it was an annual thing but it was beautiful it was full color it was big oversized uh it was probably 12 by 14 something like that uh a round tabloid size and yeah i mean that that limited edition magazine really led to all kinds of other opportunities before I even graduated from VCU I did my first artist residency and it was in comics and this is at the cyberpunk apocalypse oh, writers it. project in Pittsburgh it doesn't exist anymore but it had a good go maybe for a decade uh, yeah and that all of that all the forget fairy tales work um, eventually led to Quail Tales. Well, it led to a play, uh, which I wrote in college based on the comics, but it didn't get produced until I moved to New York City and had connections here, had really worked hard to develop connections here. And that was at the Broadway Comedy Club. And that play led to me writing other plays, other comedy plays and sketches and I developed Quail Tales for the Players Theater. They chose me for their comedy residency based upon all the stuff that I've been doing. Uh, and yeah, been been doing that since February at the Players Theater, but also had a chance to bring it to the Pit, the People's Improv Theater of New York, and I'm trying to get it touring to other places. Going to be submitting it to festivals too. But it, it's not just one play. It's a whole it's like a comedy medley. At this point, it's a whole series of short plays and sketches, some longer plays, but most of them are short plays and sketches. So let me get this uh, this sort of narrative for this arc <laughs> together. So Forget Fairy Tales was, uh, and maybe still is, uh, a comic that you came up with. That yes. was That was first. And then uh, that was back when you were a college student. Then yes. from that, uh, you you went into Quail Bell Magazine. Yes. And then from Quail Bell Magazine, uh, you and, and Forget Fairy Tales, you came up with the play that we you just mentioned, Quail Tales. And uh, is, and, and you also had, I, I remember reading in your bio, the play at uh, the Broadway Comedy Club you call Forget Fairy Tales. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the comics magazine I mentioned earlier at college was Comicality Magazine. Around the same time, I know it's, <laughs> I, I'm very hard to keep up with and track of, but at around the same time, I started an online magazine, Quail Bell Magazine, and that's still around today. That's been running since 2010, uh, in earnest since 2012. So but Quail, that, Quail Bell Magazine, people can mm -hmm. find that online if they like. Yeah, yeah, quailbellmagazine.com. And that has, we've had some limited edition print projects come out of that, but for the most part, it's an online magazine. It's an arts and literary magazine, uh, general arts and literary, like, yeah, imaginary, nostalgic, otherworldly, that tends to be the vibe, but otherwise it's all kinds of media and it's fiction, it's poetry, essays, uh, culture writing, uh, and that 
that really is run by Gretchen Gales at this point. I am the founder and I pipe up here and there, but it is largely Gretchen Gales baby. <laughs> well, when, when you look at all of these different uh, sort of uh, milieus uh, and genres of, of uh, expression and uh, th- there's a there's a, sh- a thread in all of them c- comedy it seems uh, the comic uh, sort of insight what, what which do you prefer or feel most invigorated by when you see something that you've worked on on stage or or when you when you have something that you've drawn and and come up with some dialogue printed and people are looking at that or uh, is there something else that you you prefer even more so that you're working on? How, how do you how do you uh, balance all of this, and what do you prefer? Yeah, well, it's fascinating that you hone in on the comedy because I'm also known for my poetry and my drama. Uh, so people who get to know my work through different projects will will think of me as one or the other, like comedic or poetic, right? And then people who become really familiar with my work see, oh, okay, so she does both of these funny and serious kinds of things and and some projects that are a good mix of both. Uh, I'm just interested in storytelling, narratives of all kind. I've always loved history. I've always loved memory, uh, personal experiences. I listened to a lot of radio growing up. Also, listen to a lot of elderly relatives and family friends growing up. I We spent a lot of time just talking and listening to each other as a family and, and hanging out with various other families and people that we knew. Um, so, so exchanging stories, having different conversations is something that I've always loved. Uh, a serious project I have going on right now is Mia Abuela, Queen of Nightmares. And this is a poetry book turned stage play. It was first published as a poetry book around 2017. I rewrote it as a stage play. Uh, it ran at the Gene Frankel Theater last year for a workshop run of 10 performances. And it's coming to the tank this September not directed by me. It's going to be directed by Fiamma Piacentini, a Mexican director. Um, and this is about a Salvadoran American girl's understanding of her mother's relationship with her dead grandmother and, and uncovering all of these family secrets related to the Civil War in El Salvador. Uh, and there are all kinds of fantastical motifs there are jaguars and cacti and owls and there's a fair amount of movement not quite dance but definitely movement in the play um i i am not invigorated by one form more than the other that is to say i love comics i love theater i love movies i love books i love making these things i love consuming these things i love talking about these things i choose the medium based on the idea in my head what seems to suit that medium the most and in that sense i i relate to conceptual artists a lot though i wouldn't really call myself a conceptual artist but i yeah i just feel like the Figuring out what medium makes the most sense for a project is 
how I generally approach things. Excellent. Excellent. Let me ask you this. When you're creating, whether it be a, a comic, a comedic piece or a, a dramatic piece um, on stage uh, for your for your comics, whatever it might be, how does what's going on in society and in your more immediate community affect what you're doing? Oh, yeah, it definitely does. I mean, of course, when Trump was elected, it seemed like every artist and writer was making a lot of Trump-related or inspired kind of work. So I definitely jumped on that bandwagon until I got sick of it. Um <laughs> Actually, Badass Lady Folk came out. The first edition of the show came out during that time, uh, which is one of the reasons why I mention it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's so hard to separate art from personal experiences and from the world stage. It's all, it's all just part of it. It's all just going to... <laughs> go in there one way or another there's this feedback loop um you know and there i think it's tempting to just think about the creative impacts of whatever's going on in the world but there are also the logistical and, and practical concerns affecting artists i mean during the pandemic during quarantine when we couldn't meet in person to collaborate and we couldn't have live theater or or film shoots with a bunch of people uh yeah we had to adjust and and so so many arts organizations that i used to work with don't exist anymore they closed because of the pandemic all these sources of funding just aren't around um different collaborators and colleagues and friends who used to make art, I know plenty of people who just don't anymore uh, because they have to eat and they have found that in this post-pandemic or whatever word we're going to use now <laughs> in this current state of the world, it's uh, it's hard for them to, a lot of people, a lot of us to survive and some people have just found that they can't keep making art at least for a while under the current conditions um yeah i hear you i hear that yeah when when you look at the importance like of of certain things for for us to exist in a healthy manner of us being humans you know people say well we need you know you need certain institutions you need um certain movements how much do we need art do you think as a species yeah <sighs> Well, okay, need. This is definitely something I wrestle with <laughs> sometimes. Uh, I mean, we don't, we don't need it. Uh, and that might surprise some people to hear me say. I don't think we need it to survive, but I think we need it to give us hope. We need it to express ourselves creatively like we need it for all of these immaterial wonderful reasons uh and for for that i hope it's something that we as a species continue doing and 
I hope we continue finding ways to support it. Uh, I don't know that in this current system (laughs) uh, things can keep going as they're going. I don't know how many more grant proposals I can possibly write, for instance. Um, But I, I think that's that's what's beautiful about it is that it isn't essential in the way that food's essential. It is something that's extra, but that, yeah, that just makes it so magical and special. Well said. Well said. We're talking to one of the most fascinating people in Brooklyn, New York, Christine Stoddard here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. And she is a writer, an artist, a director, an actor, among other things. And, you know, Christina went by so fast. It's a, a good conversation, always does. Um, before we part ways this go-around, I'd love to talk with you again in the future. Would you want to share a way that people could uh, tap into what you're doing, check out, check out where to go and what to, you know, what to purchase or what have you? Sure. The easiest way to keep up with me is by going to worldofchristinestoddard.com. And if you are a social media person, all of my links are there. I have a calendar to a million kajillion events online and in person in New York City. So different ways to experience my work. And there are links to various shops as well. Redbubble and Society6 and some of the other big ones. If you're interested in getting my paintings or photos on T-shirts or as prints or what have you. Uh, But yeah, thank you so much for, for listening. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts to share with the the audience before we disconnect for now? Yeah, just that I hope all of you, and I'm sure I'm sure it's a consideration, continue to find art and be inspired by art and make art, and to know that it's okay to have different artistic phases and interests throughout life and. Some people have to take a step back for whatever reason, and it art's something you can always come back to. Beautiful. Thank you, Christine. Yeah, thank you, EW.
And now we have a social media post that I came across from contributor to our program, writer Iris Smiles. Iris is the author of Iris Has Free Time, Soft Skull Press, and Dating Tips for the Unemployed, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, and her newest book titled Droll Tales, Turtle Point Press. She also is a regular contributor to several magazines, including The New Yorker. This is coming from Pelion, Greece. My parents were adopted by a stray cat while I was away. My dad's allergic, but the cat was so skinny and on the verge of death, and with a little baby, so they had no choice but to save her. Now they are ruled by the cat and her baby. They keep all the doors closed so she can't come inside and are constantly preparing their food. Today my parents are upset because our single mother has taken up with a male cat who comes into our garden to flirt with her. I learned of the scandal in the car as we drove to the city, when my mom complained about how she was neglecting her baby, because, my dad finished, she's been hanging around that guy rode my bike home this afternoon to find my mother saying, Shame on you, you're neglecting your baby, as the baby stood alone on some nearby stones, and the mother stood apart, making eyes at the male cat. I said, Maybe he's the father. Dad said, No, he's a gigolo, and then sprayed him with the garden hose. Feeling like, oh, yeah, I can 
spins. The way one holds a pencil or pen or paintbrush for canvas reminds me that I am a human creature so divine as a civilized being able to communicate outside of the wilderness as all of it spins and spins inside, outside, beyond the sky and stars, deeper than my soul and heart. These words are mere utterances of one small, limitless man with a pen in hand. Episode 532 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Christine Stoddard, writer Iris Smiles, and these musical artists. Thelonious Monk, 
Audra May, Theo Katzman, Julia Jacqueline, Alaska Reed, The Millennium, Branford Marsalis, and Terence Blanchard, too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care of yourself. Let